On this week's episode of the Kings Court Podcast, Garrett and I talk about if the team is more like the team we saw in the Lightning game or more like the team we saw in the Bruins game. Let's get underway with the show. Rangers fans, it is episode 28 of the King's Court Podcast. My name is John Williams, and I am here with Garrett Gartino, who just experienced uh, the amount of snow that we usually see in like eight years combined here in the New York, New Jersey area, all in like a three-day span. Garrett, how was it? It was fine. I mean, it was nice to have snow days and not have to go to real work. That was like the best part about it is when people realize that it's putting your life and other people's lives in danger to even go driving around. So I got to stay home and hang out with the animals. So did you, you didn't have work again today, right? Uh, I went out for a little bit this afternoon because the sun finally decided to peek its head out. But I mean, it's still so slushy out there. It's kind of crazy because I think it's still, yeah, it's 21 degrees right now. So there's, other than the sun, it's not a lot to get it melting. So I want to transition, and I think this uh, I'm gonna this is gonna be difficult to do. So it's just like the Rangers yesterday. The sunlight shined through a little bit. There's still a lot of slush on the ground right now in terms of you know the problems they have going on. But at least we know the sun is coming out. How was that? I mean, I think that I, I get the point. It was, it was a little choppy, but but everyone understands what you were trying to get at. Hey, the uh, shtick of this podcast is just being choppy. So, you know what? I'm going to lean into it. Um, and uh, hopefully the Rangers lean into their performance on uh, yesterday night against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And hopefully they use that and um, are able to carry some momentum into the weekend when they play the Predators on Saturday at 2 p.m. Garrett, they were dominant against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And listen, the Lightning have not been great this year. They were down two players, Victor Hedman getting hurt and then Pat Maroon getting hurt in the first period. So, yeah, they haven't been doing too great. But, I mean, you have to be pumped about the way they played yesterday, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you and I were talking about it and I think that I was like ready to jump off the ledge after watching the Boston game. And, uh, you know, I think I texted you at one point and I said something like, uh, I don't think I can be the person that hates David Quinn. But I was like right right on the verge of like being done with the team for this season, just realizing that there was nothing left to watch. And that game, dude, like that is probably the testament of how David Quinn has this team because they came out like ready to play with Zibanejad not in the lineup, and Mark Stahl is a healthy scratch for, I think you said, the first time in his career. I mean, he was clearly sending a message to the roster that the the most you know talented players are not always going to play or the people with the contracts are not always going to play. But if you're putting that effort out there, which they had last night, that's, like, that's the roster he's going to be putting out there on a nightly basis. Quinn had some choice words for the Rangers after the game against the Bruins Sunday night, and it looked like they, you know, actually responded. I mean, especially going into that game without Mika Zibanejad, who has been their best player all season through nine games as 11 points. Granted, you know, eight of those points were in the first two games, so he only has three points in his last seven games, which, you know, take that for what it is. But they came out, 
And from the jump start, I don't know, you know, some people are like, you know, there's no place for fighting in hockey. And I'm sure a lot of those people um, were very ready to jump back on the soapbox after Pat Maroon hurt himself in that fight early in the first period. But I think that was that was evidence that, listen, sometimes that kind of play is needed. And I do think Mike, Mike Haley, who... Listen, should he be on this roster? Probably not. But the fact that in two straight games, he was able to contribute in the first period. Against the Bruins, he was able to score, which you're not going to see that happen many times. And, in fact, this is his second stint with the Rangers. That was his first goal. And he was able to contribute with his fists uh, yesterday. And that gave the team a bit of a jump. And then, like, a minute later, Ryan Lindgren got boarded. And you saw guys like Leas Anderson go to his defense and uh, try to rough it up. Brendan Lemieux as well. So guys were physically engaged in the game, and I think that helped set the tone early on. Yeah, well, it was the first time probably, I mean, since the Tortorelli days that I felt like the team actually came out playing with the, with a legitimate edge. You know, like there's, you know, a lot of talk about how the new edge in hockey is having a fast team and this, that, the other thing. But like those guys that you said, specifically Lemieux, dude, like Lemieux came out and he looked like he was all over the place. Like he was a buzzsaw against Tampa. And he, I mean, I, I still don't know where his spot is in this team long term because I, I I love the style of play he has, but the the offense clearly hasn't been there yet. And I think have have I even seen him on the power play every now and then? Yeah, he's yeah he's on the second unit, which I think is great. Have a guy who's not afraid to be physical. Have a guy who's not afraid to stand his ass in the front of the net and be ready to you know screen the goalie, maybe deflect the puck or two in. I yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, Brendan Lemieux is on my list. One of the top things I wanted to talk about that I don't think enough people are talking about. Um, he was unbelievable, like you said, against the Lightning. He was engaged physically from the start. Now, there was that one play against, uh, what, what's his name? Yanni Gord Yep. on the Lightning where he... Lemieux got lucky he didn't get a minor penalty for dropping the gloves when Gord kind of goaded him into dropping the gloves. He's lucky there. But there are a lot of other plays in that game where his physicality, A, on the forecheck, B, in the defensive zone, really helped the Rangers maintain possession of the puck. I mean, they had 14 shots a period to Rangers. They had 42 shots in the game. Brendan Lemieux was a huge factor of that, and it's not going to show on the scoreboard. And there was one play in particular that I loved. Brian McDonough had the puck in the Lightning Zone zone. I think this was the first period. And Brendan Lemieux steamrolled him in open ice. Like, I love, I love that kind of hockey. I love Brendan Lemieux as a player. Hopefully he can add some points. But to your question, I think his role is going to be that fringe third line, fourth line type player. But maybe he develops into a Tom Wilson type in the sense, not 30, in the sense that, all right, Tom Wilson's trusted to play with Ovechkin and Oshie. Maybe Lemieux is in the future able to play with uh, Panarin and Zibanejad or something like that. Who knows? But right now, he's looking really good in the Rangers' bottom six with uh, Brett Howden the past couple games. 
Well, it's kind of crazy. Again, we were talking about how quickly the tides turned for this, like this team is that like during the Boston game, I'm sitting here thinking that we're just, we're thin. There's, there's not much after that top line. And although we want to believe that a young roster has a chance to, you know, contend, you do need that veteran presence of the guys that can show how like show young players how to get through those tough times that we were going through, you know, for the last five, six games. But when Hedl and Lindgren got caught up, all of a sudden I thought about the combinations that are going to be available to us when Zabanajad is back in the lineup. And I'm like, here we go again. Like I, I'm I'm getting that overwhelming feeling that I think that this team could actually pull themselves together and play the way that they should be. You know, the the problem is is that too many times we've seen players like Heedle and Kreider and, uh, you know, Strom obviously now is going through it a little bit. Um, it, it's like they they fall into these lapses where they, they're just like they're not engaged. But I think that this game was the first time that like I'm like they know how to fight their way out of those. It was certainly an encouraging sign. And, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the kids individually as the podcast goes on. But I, I wanted to shift gears. You, you mentioned the Bruin game and how ugly that was and how <laughs> you were very much like, all right, David Quinn, like enough's enough. Like, let's stop fucking around now. You know, I was feeling on edge. Listen, I didn't expect this team to make the playoffs coming into the season, but even I was pissed off with how piss poor their performance was Sunday night. It was like they didn't give a shit. They were out shot 21 to 5 in the second period, outscored 4 to 4 to nothing in that period. We're down 6 to 2. The score was 7 to 4 and even though that wasn't a pretty score, I mean, that made the game look a lot closer than it actually was. I mean, that game easily could have been like 9-1. Like it was bad. Henrik Lundqvist was you know, maybe there's a goal or two we wish he could have back, but he was stellar in the first two periods for the most part. What, what, what was sad to see and like part of the reason why I was so frustrated with Quinn was I think it was in that second period when we were getting destroyed that he called a timeout, brought the team over, and you could see there was no clipboard, you know, no no uh, whatever you call that thing, the, the marker board. He was just trying to give the team a pep talk, and so many of them looked disinterested. And it was like it was scary because if if Quinn isn't going to be an X's and O's guy, and if Quinn isn't going to always be giving the kids the ice time that they need to develop, you know, we we need him to be the hoorah guy that's going to get the team together. And I was I was nervous, but clearly, I mean, in the third period there, they did put up a few goals. Shea's goal was honestly pretty pretty nice he he had a few times across the Bruins game and the Lightning game where I felt like he was really finding his skating too but uh, you know maybe that the team wasn't in a position to bounce back from his uh, you know timeout speech during the Bruins game but they seemed like they responded now and I'm I'm all right with it I'm all right with it in a game like that, especially when entering that game, you lost five out of six. You have a young team, a lot of inexperience, and then also you got a lot of guys who are veterans who are coming off a couple of seasons now where the team has not been good. You know, Lundqvist gave up six goals in two periods, not all his fault, but still gave up six goals in two periods. You're going to be defeated on the bench, and I don't care if David Quinn you know, has the greatest speech of all time. You're not going to be 
feeling great on the bench getting scolded at on home ice on a Sunday night against the Boston Bruins. You're, you're just not going to feel good. And listen, props to the Bruins. They're a damn good team. And so uh, that good. top line, dude, of Marshawn, Patrice Bergeron, and Pasternak is it's got to be the best line in the NHL. Well, I, mean, I mean, they're unbelievable. NBC always does like a really bad job of just like they overhype the same players every year. And, you know, they, they love latching on to storylines that are really just like non-existent. They just try and Shout glorify them. Pierre. Right, dude, I, I am – I'm so anti-Pierre. It's not even funny. But um, they were talking a lot about how the Bruins' top line is the best in hockey. And, I mean, dude, they're just – I mean, Bergeron has always been, you know, a top 10 center. And now that Marchand has really become like an offensive force in the last like three – what is it, three, four years? Because he was more of a pest in the beginning of his career, you know? Like he really – has found his He's own. Really the last, it out. Yeah. yeah, the last two, three years. And then you have a guy like Pasternak that is clearly so offensive gift, you know, offensively gifted. Uh that line is just it's it's got the perfect blend of grit, skill, and just dependability from every single one of those guys. Yeah, it, it wasn't you had to know that they were gonna have a good game going into that, especially with the way they've been playing. But you thought, all right, they just manhandled the Buffalo Sabres who look really good so far on Thursday night, and then they come into that game and completely shit the bed. It was shocking. And uh, you know, between that game and then the lightning game, you had the two opposite ends of the spectrum of all the emotions you're ever gonna feel as a New York Ranger fan. You had everything there in that three-day period, in that two-game period. So my question to you, Garrett, are the Rangers more like the team we saw on Sunday night, or are they more like the team we saw last night against the Tampa Bay Lightning? Um, I, I just <laughs> I, I definitely think it's closer to the Bruins team. But the, pro- the problem is, is that even that is like skewed a little bit because of how good Boston is. But it's just we, the team is being asked to put out a certain effort every night. And I think that kind of like I alluded to, I I as a fan, and I don't know about you, you're usually a little bit more realistic than I am. Like I overvalued a lot of the guys that we have on the roster. And unless we do end up having the breakout season from Heedle, Kako starts finding his game, Kreider refines it, you know, like we are going to be relying on one line to provide, you know, 80% of the offense. And, it, you know, the defense is, is going to be a mess because they're so young and they're going to get beat. Uh, not to say that, you know, there aren't some good pieces there. I was really happy with Lindgren last night. Fox has obviously looked fantastic, but I mean, it, it's going to be a long season. And you were the one that said that the first time around. And it's just, we're, we're going to have to figure out who who's going to be a keeper and who's not, because the, the next few years is going to be even bigger, which I don't think was possible with how much I felt like we went through in two year rebuild. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think we're closer to the Bruins. I think it's very close to the middle, to be honest. You know, that might be a cop out a little bit, but if I had to, you know, choose one side over the other, I think it's closer to the Bruins. Like you said, something like they're going to be a one line team and lost Filipino or Capo Caco can figure it out right away. I mean, they're both 19 years old, 18, 19 years old. 
they, they have all great. the time in the freaking world. They looked great last night. Yeah. So let's talk about. I, I took a bunch of notes last night for that game, and I, I guess we'll start with those two. So starting off with Kako, he needed that goal, man. He absolutely needed that goal last night. Uh, the he took a shot on the power play that hit Vasilevsky, made the save, and then bounced off Braden Coburn's skate and into the net. Listen, sometimes you need puck luck, especially when you are, are an 18-year-old who expects so much out of himself and hasn't been able to produce at this level yet. Um, I think it was enormous for Kako to get that goal. It was funny when, when he scored the goal. Did you see how, like, Kreider went to, like, embrace him over it? And he was like you know, kind of like taken aback where he was like, you know, I really didn't do anything for that goal. And even on the bench, he was kind of like making a few faces as if he's like, yeah, I don't really want to take credit for it, but I'll have to crack a smile. And it's like, you know, there's been some comments from him recently. I Was it, was it that it was misunderstood because he was talking with a Finnish reporter or did he actually say something that was like negative about his spot on the team right now? I mean, basically, he talked about how, you know, he wishes that he'd get a bigger role. And, you know, he, he thinks that he should be playing a top line minute. It could, some of the words could have been taken out of context or, you know, lost in translation a little bit. But this is one quote that really stuck out to me. And uh, Larry Brooks wrote it um, in his article. And it, it was from that interview with the Finnish reporters. So, he said, my goal is to have a leading role. I don't want to hear any talk about how I'm the youngest guy and I need to be given time to get used to the style. I want to be the guy who scores the goals and wins games right away. And you know what? Yes, that's exactly, exactly how I want him to think. Yeah, that's I, exactly it. And he's a, listen, he's a shy and timid kid anyway. I mean, he's 18 years old. Um, and I'm not like exactly a social butterfly either, so I under I couldn't even imagine what this kid is going through. You know, suddenly he's the you know the guy that everybody wants to see play in his own home country in the United States in New York right now. You know, how many people? He's probably the number one or two guy in, com- in terms of conversation between like him and then maybe you throw Panarin's Banajad and Lundqvist into that group, but I. All the pressure in the world's on that kid. And I wish there was, you know, a way for him to kind of ease into it, ease into this role a little bit better. But, you know, when you're number two overall pick and have the expectations that, you know, everybody had for him coming in, it's hard. But yes, that's absolutely how I want this kid to think. Yeah, well, I think that the opportunity is right around the corner. If, if Zibanejad gets healthy, you know, we talked last time about how there's probably going to be some like natural pairings that come up throughout the lineup. So if you figure that you've got Zibanejad and Panarin, and then on the second line, I really think that Butch and Kreider need to be kept together. You know, there there's an opportunity that Kako could end up being, you know, seeing minutes with Zibanejad and Panarin, and then you have Kreider, Heedle, and 
Butch on that second line. I mean, unless you think that Quinn's going to be putting him on the third line, but then that's saying that Fast is, uh, you know, a first liner for the next 60 games. Like, I think Kako is right around the corner from actually having that opportunity to be like an offensive producer. These are my three pairs that I I am kind of invested in staying together for the Rangers going forward. The first would be Zibanejad Panarin. Yep. I mean, you, those are your two best players, and I understand the thought process of, okay, like let's spread the wealth in the lineup a little bit, but I think those two are so dynamic together. And if you get a guy like, like – I am fine with Jesper Fast being their other winger. I like That's the type of player – I don't need another top-end player with them. It would be nice per se, but if I'm going to go with an arch type of a player to play with Panarin and Spenja, give me a rover who's going to go and get the puck, be a hard-ass four-checker. That's what Jesper Faust is. So I think Jesper Faust, I don't give a shit if you call him a first-line winger, call him a fourth-line, I don't give a crap what you have to call him or whatever. But I am perfectly fine at even strength with him being paired with them. So I'd say uh, Panarin and Spenja Pairing number one I'm invested in. Pairing number two I'm invested in is Hedl and Bushnevich. I really like the two of them together last night. I mean, that goal, I mean, listen, Philip Hedl's deflection was ridiculous. Yeah. Like, that was an unbelievable def- deflection for any player, let alone a you know teenager. Um, but Bushnevich's pass is... Possibly even better. I mean, he passed that thing. Saucer passed between two defensemen. I mean, that was great. And Bucinevich was on. He, he was so quick to puck loose pucks yesterday. I thought he played a really good game. I like to see that pair together because they're both big guys that can forecheck if they're both engaged. Um, you know, you get maybe another finisher on that line. That, well, I, I mean, like, I like Kreider happy. with Butch. So if you if you put Kreider on the other side of that line, I'm happy. And to talk about last night's game, Hedl, that was the best he's looked since, like, I think it was like the second or third to last game of last season. Where, it, like, I remember he ended up getting like 16 or 17 minutes and he just looked so dominant. Hedl last night was like, he was on top of everything where I felt like they were saying his name a whole lot around the net. Listen, I mean, Hedl is a big body. He's 6'3". Yeah, he's still going to grow some muscle, but he has the potential to be a, like a dirty area, power forward type who has the potential to, you know, be a good scorer in this league from anywhere, to be honest. Um, yeah, like you said, he was all over loose pucks. He doesn't want to go back to Hartford, man. He took a lot of good out of that experience. He does not want to go back. And if he keeps playing like that, there's no chance in hell they'll ever send him back there. Uh, he was unbelievable. Played 17 minutes and 27 seconds on the night. So credit to David Quinn for giving him that run um, on the second line. So, yes, in theory, I would love Chris Kreider with those two. Chris Kreider is so beyond snake bitten mm-hmm. that it it reminds me of Rick Nash in like the last two or three years he was at the Rangers. There was one play the play uh, the shot on Adam Fox's goal. We were talking about Pierre Maguire and how much he sucks earlier. He, Pierre made a comment that oh Kreider he was so unselfish shooting the puck into the goalie so it would be a rebound. I'm like listen. 
Yes, well, in theory, that makes sense. Kreider was trying to score. Yeah, Let's man. not pretend that he was trying to set up his teammate. Kreider just can't shoot. <laughs> that That's what it came down to. Uh, don't give me, oh, you're so unselfish, please. Yeah, like, I didn't let's, catch let's, that. that. That's bad. Yeah, let's, let's cool it a little bit, Pierre. Um, if you can get going, I love Kreider there, and maybe you, you leave him there. Um, and hopefully he snaps out of it if the other two start playing that well. But the third pairing that I'm really committed to going forward, and this might uh, you know shock some people, give me Brett Howden and Brendan Lemieux. I think they are really good together. You got Howden who, listen, he might not be the greatest player in the world, um, but you know he, he's capable in the offensive zone. Decent four checker and, you know, solid passer. I'd say that's probably the best part of his offensive game is his passing ability. And then Brendan Lemieux is four checker extraordinaire when he is on in his game. Well, um, I think I love them together. You, you know what is I, I actually feel like a little bit of Lemieux has rubbed off on Howden. Like, haven't you kind of noticed, especially in the Tampa game, which was overly gritty for the Rangers type of, you know, typical game. But you saw even Howden getting into it in those little scrums. I feel like maybe having Lemieux on his side kind of like makes him realize he needs to up the energy, especially if you're only going to be out there playing third line minutes. Like if you're getting that between the 10 and 14 minutes a night treatment, there's no reason why you shouldn't be giving 110% every single shift. So maybe maybe that pairing will kind of bring out the best in both of them. And I think also for Brett Howden, he's got to realize now, shit, Philip Heedle's back up, and he looked damn good at center. Mika Zibanejad's going to come back possibly even Saturday. Ryan Strom has 10 points already. I might be knocked down to the fourth line, or I'm going to be knocked off center. So I need to start bringing it. I need to start up in the ante, like you said, and I need to start bringing another element to my game. And I think Howden played arguably his best game of the season last night, although yeah, that's not saying too, too much. But uh, I do like the Howden-Lemieux uh, pairing for the Rangers. So then you could you know mix and match the, throughout the rest of your lineup. I would actually kind of like to see um, Kako with – Hedl and Buchnevich, but maybe they want that experience of Kreider up there with them and then, uh, you know, let the kids figure it out for themselves um, on the third line. And then the fourth line, I, I don't know what the hell they're doing with Leas Anderson still, but I thought Leas Anderson even played a good game yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really good on the boards in the offensive zone. Um, he was getting involved physically. So I, I didn't think Leas Anderson played bad at all. I think he's actually done a decent job on the PK as well. No, I, I he was going to be the next person that I brought up. Where it's like it, he did look he looked good last night. The problem is, is that like he's just he's he's now going to be the guy that's getting the the Quinbin treatment. You know, maybe not in the sense that he's in the press box, but that he's like he can't escape the the nine to ten minutes a night. You know, it's it's not getting any better for him. And obviously, we're, you know, I can't do this every episode, but having Brendan Smith as your winger is not going to be like fruitful in terms of your development. Uh, he I just need him to like find himself in a better situation. And maybe, maybe he's a guy that like the Rangers are willing to let sit on the fourth line and then he becomes trade bait later in the year. 
or something like that just because it's like uh, I'm I'm not understanding his because there's been so much fluctuation between people's roles and his has been the same it's been nine minutes every night you know it's just it's kind of strange well the Rangers have a decision to make especially when Zibanejad comes back who's that fourth line center um, is it going to be Howden or is it going to be Elias Anderson? And like, who are you more invested in? And it appears that they're more invested in the develop, development of Brett Howden, um, which I don't know. I It's tough because at the same time as, yeah, I don't want to see Elias Anderson get more minutes and more run. Last night might have been the only game this year. Maybe there's one other that he was a positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, he hasn't exactly earned any more ice time. So it's kind of like a catch-22 thing going on, but I, I am a little concerned um, by that. One thing I would like to say about uh, Brendan Smith, though, is this. Brendan Smith is on pace for 33 points on the fourth line. <laughs> a lot of his- I, Honestly, I, 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 I want to say this. Maybe Brendan Smith isn't a bad option no, on the no, wing no, on the no. fourth We're line. not doing this again. No, because we, we've gone through this already this season and we're only like 10 games in. He is not a solution. I, I can't believe that there's any other scenario than they are trying to create value for him. Well, I think it's working. Okay, well, that's good. If you, can get a, if you can get a 33-point production from a fourth liner who is also valuable on the PK – I don't know, man. I mean, what the, theoretically, do you think Greg McKegg is that much better of an option than Brendan Smith at this point? No, no I don't. I, do you think Booney Avis is a better option? Yes. yes. I mean, point-wise, maybe not. Like, I like I don't I don't expect Smith to maintain this pace. I think more of the problem, other than like, like I do think that Brett, Brendan Smith has value. I I don't think he has any value to his line mates, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think – yeah, but I don't think Booney Avis does either. I think Booney Avis is like that like 12th or 13th forward, which is like around the same thing as Brendan Smith as well. But I guess I give Brendan Smith the edge because, all right, at least in a pinch, we know he could play PK minutes. Yeah. I mean, Boo can too, but like I think they're very comparable. That was another one that they did on the NBC the other night. Uh they were talking about how Brendan Smith and Luke, Luke Wachowski both can play both forward and defense. Did, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think the whole Brendan Smith thing has become a little overblown. Um, I, I think he's fine. I mean, people. I think honestly it bothers people because he's like technically a defenseman. Right. Um, but honestly, like if you're that good, if you're quality – of an NHL player, if you could play defense, you could play forward. Forward is not as hard as defense. Right. So I, 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 you know, I think people are overblowing the Brendan Smith thing. I really do. Now, if he's a, on the third line, then that's a freaking problem. But if we need somebody to eat up 10 minutes a game, fine. Like, so be it. Michael Haley, I don't want in the lineup. And he will not be in the lineup once the banner jack comes back. So that fourth line will likely be um it'll likely be one of uh Howden and Lemieux with Anderson and Smith, which is better. Well, do you 
But do you think that there's any chance that they could maybe do like a uh, a Howden Strom Lemieux line because Howden is not that strong on the face off. And if you put Howden and Strom both on the same line, they can, you know, you can kind of pick and choose who's who's taking the face-offs for that, you know, for that line. And then you hope that Zibanejad and Heedle can handle one. Uh, you know Zibanejad can, but you're hoping that Heedle can handle number two. And then you're splitting the number three center, you know, face-offs at least. Yeah, I think that's going to be the line. I think that's going to be the third line when Zibanejad comes back. It will be Strom centering Howden and Lemieux. Um, the only way it wouldn't be that is if they flipped Leah Sanderson and Howden. So Howden's playing fourth line center and Leah Sanderson's on the wing on the third line. But given how the team, like we've said the past five minutes, doesn't seem to trust Leah Sanderson in any kind of offensive you know, format, I think they're going to keep him pinned on the fourth line, put Howden on the wing with Strom. And Strom low-key is... The best faceoff taker on the team is around 55%, and he has 10 points in 11 games, which, you know, that's going to come down to earth. But like, I'm not saying that it's – but he's he, you know what? He hasn't played all. Well, that's what he did last year too. You know, people were chirping him all, you know, all season and all off season about how the shooting percentage was too high. But like, you know, if, if Strom is getting third line minutes, yeah, I could see the pace obviously cooling off. But he's he's endeared himself to the coaching staff enough that he's being saddled along players that are helping him produce. And all of a sudden, like, you know, there could be some depth. Maybe, you know, I, I obviously change my mood every freaking 10 minutes. But, like, there there is some depth there if if you have a line on that third line of Howden, Strom, and Lemieux, you know, the there's guys that have produced at every level. The Rangers have four third line centers. The problem is very, you know, we have one top six center. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the issue with the Rangers. And you know how you talk about Brendan Smith and trade value there. Maybe if Ryan Strump continues to yeah, say he's on pace to score 40 points this season, He's going to be a trade target for a lot of people if the Rangers fall out of the race. So, especially because I think does he doesn't he have RFA coming I do up believe so. again yep. next year? So that's a that's going to put the Rangers in a good position. Obviously, you, you don't feel comfortable with Ryan Strom in your top six, but I've maintained this: Ryan Strom on your third line is not a bad option. No. So if you think that it's a bad option, especially for a rebuilding team, then you're nuts. Granted, you'd like the young, younger players to play in that third line role, but who's earned it? He's not that old. He's still pretty young too. I think that he- he's torn. I mean, he's like 26, so he's getting to. He's like in prime territory. So I don't know how much better he's going to get, but well, you know, he's serviceable at the very least. Like you said, you know. If he's a 40-point player playing on your third line it, in his prime, I mean, like, that's a that's a very serviceable player. That's, you know, may, people may not like this, but that's like Jesper Fast and then some. Yeah. So, we talked about Buchnevich, Heedle, Kreider. Um, we talked about Kako. One guy we haven't talked about yet. This podcast, we've talked about him a million times before, is Adam Fox. I mean, 
So good. That goal was really nice, but it's not even the goal. No, he was due for that one. This kid... This kid looks so good, so good with the puck in his own zone, so good on defense. He is going to be a stud, and I loved, I mean, him and Lindgren have experience playing together on World Juniors, but, man, I'm going to really like that pairing. Yeah, um, those, if it stays together, those two were great. I mean, that was that was probably one of the first things I noticed in the game was how much I enjoyed watching that pairing together. And Adam Fox has consistently been like, even even in the fancy stats community, community he has been the Rangers' number one or number two defenseman. You know, right, sw- switching off with Truba, he he's been so good. And if Lindgren can play a you know a, a hard nosed game like he did last night, that that would be a pairing that I'd be excited about their development. Absolutely, I mean, you got both guys who are very defensively responsible. Lindgren is kind of this generation's version of a stay at home defenseman. He's not going to tally points. Uh, he had a know, shot though, but he, yeah, he. You know what though? He's going to play excellent defense. He can make that pass. Like, you know, he has good enough passing ability. He's a good skater. You put him with a guy like Fox, who is a possession kind of player, who, you know, has the shot, has the passing ability. I love that duo together. I really do. And if the Rangers and David Quinn keep them together, I expect them to grow to be one of their uh, probably. I mean, is there a possibility that grows to be one of their most dependent pairings? That they can make this well, year. Well, I think the problem for me in in agreeing to that is that I haven't seen the Rangers adapt to the next wave of hockey. Like they haven't had that defensive pairing yet. That is both like offensively and defensively sound. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that uh, possibly you might be getting that as well with Truba and Hayek. I mean, we've talked a lot the past couple of weeks about how good Truba's looked. He's looked better than I thought he was. I have to admit, Jacob Truba has been a first-line caliber defenseman. Coming into the season, I was like, you know what? He might be a great, like, you know, third-best defenseman on a championship-level team, possibly even a number-two defenseman. He's looked like a number-one caliber defenseman. He's been so good in his own zone for the most part. He... Is obviously very gifted on in the offensive zone. Never afraid to block a shot. Never afraid to lay the body. I love Jacob Truba, but Lieber Hayek has really picked up his play, with the exception of the Bruins game, because everybody played like dog shit that game. I think Lieber Hayek is looking a lot more confident um, in his own zone over the last you know handful, maybe a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I, I think that a lot of people were quick to think that he was going to be the first person in the press box when Lindgren got called up. But I mean, that was that was something to see Quinn stick with the young guy, especially because he has started to find his game a little bit with Truba. And it's kind of crazy to think. I mean, obviously, it's crazy to think that Stahl was the one out of the lineup. But how about the fact that like Shea, despite the fact that he's looked better in the last you know game and a half. He, he might be the the defenseman in the group that has like the least certainty around where his placement is in the you know in the defensive six I mean at the very least he should I uh, listen I am notably not a Brady Shea person um I really uh, his rookie year I was very happy about his play um 
But after that, I mean, last year, I didn't think he was that great. This year, I think he's been pretty bad. Um, you know, he's had a nice play here and there, but I, uh, I don't think he's that great. So maybe, maybe it ends up being the case where he's the next guy to sit. If Lindgren keeps playing well and Hayek keeps playing well, Adam Fox isn't going anywhere, I'd imagine. Tony D'Angelo, you know how I feel about him. Um, so maybe it is shade the next one. So Mark Stahl, finally, man, <laughs> finally, 13 years and Mark Stahl had never been a healthy scratch, which is a pretty remarkable stretch. So Brett Sergalis of the New York Post, like started tweeting about, oh, all you people like, you know, saying all this vitriolic, uh, stuff about Mark Stahl. Um, finally getting benched and like, remember when you were doing this about Dan Girardi and now everybody's cheering Dan Girardi? Like, get the hell out of here. Like, listen, there's obviously going to be jackasses in the fan base. There's always jackasses in any fan base. But I think the overwhelming majority of people are like, listen, Mark Stahl doesn't deserve to be in the lineup. But like, we, you know, we don't right. hate him. Or anything like that. I think people it's just all in good fun for the most part of the fan base. Um and I don't think the team I don't know. It's just to do that on the night where Dan Girardi is being, you know, remembered for his time in the NHL. I didn't think that was a great move. Um and Mark Stahl, especially because Mark Stahl deserved to yeah, be benched. I mean, it was <laughs> It's funny because we were just talking last night about, you know, when they were doing the Girardi ceremony, I'm like, yeah, that's my guy. And, you know, I wonder if when Stahl's time with the Rangers comes to an end, if we're going to be like, like, what what are we going to say about Stahl? Is it going to be the same narrative that we have with Girardi? So I was thinking a little bit about this. I don't think Mark Stahl has the cachet with the fan base the way Dan Girardi did. Which is- I mean, Mark Stahl was a top 15 draft pick. Um, Dan Girardi mm-hmm. was a walk-on. Uh, you know, he was an undrafted free agent. And he carved his way to being an all-star in the NHL. And Mark Stahl was a really good defensive defenseman until he had that eye injury. And then he had the Eric Stahl-induced concussion and that kind of derailed his career. And, uh, you know, that stinks. But I don't think Mark Stahl has that connection with the fan base the way that Dan Girardi did. I think, you know, people will look back fondly. Oh, Mark Stahl, you know, he had a couple good years. But it won't be. People, when you talk about Dan Girardi, and he just retired, and he's only not been a Ranger for two years, not even. I, I'm like, oh, Dan Girardi, like, I love that guy. Like, that's like, that's who I want, Ryan Lindgren to be. That's who I want some of these young guys to develop. And you remember, Girardi came into the league as an offensive defenseman. And he came in, he was an offensive defenseman in his OHL days. And Tortorella's like, listen, man, if you want to make it in this league, you're going to have to buy the defensive brand of hockey. And Dan Girardi reinvented himself. So, like, Dan Girardi, I think, to me, symbolizes what hard work and dedication to your craft is going to do for your career. Mark Stahl, it, it gets, it's a lot more complicated That, that was a beautiful that. monologue on Dan Girardi's career. I loved that. that Thank good. you. 
<laughs> I'll be here all week. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny because a part of me is I'm like I'm already thinking about life after stall, and then I'm like, we're gonna have Keandre Miller soon, and like I just like, <laughs> oh, baby. like could you imagine oh, going Keandre. from the big doofy ginger to Keandre just out there like leading us to a Stanley <laughs> Cup? It's like it, it's yeah, that's one way of putting it. It's so funny, like thinking about you know, we we the defensive group might might have more not sure thing, but like the the pipeline that they've created for themselves of defensive prospects has a lot of NHL players in it. I mean, next year, dude, the, the lineup defensively next year. And my dreamland would be Adam Fox, Jacob Truba. Your second pair would be Tony D'Angelo. Well, are you and... okay with Fox and Truba both being righties? Well, I, I should just say, like, all right, these are your top guys. So I, I would say your top guys are those two. I mean, D'Angelo has to be up there. Well, it depends on if they're right? going to sign him, dude. Um, like, that's, like, another thing is that, like, they're gonna. They would be stupid to bring him back if he keeps playing the way he has this year. They'd be stupid not to bring him back and just stick him on that third pair. If I'm them and I have to pick between him and Brady Shea, it's not a question. It's not a question. Brady Shea's ass is out of here. Um. In fact, in my dream scenario, Brady Shea's not on. Could the you see him getting year. traded this year? I could see it. I could see him getting traded in the off season. Um. Or I could see him being taken in expansion. And to me, expansion is either Brady Shea or Alex Georgiev. Um, and whatever the one of them that is kept is, whoever that is, I think might be traded. Because, like you said, uh, I'm penciling in next year Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and then you might have Lieber Hayek, Ryan Lundgren on that second pairing. One of them will be on the third pairing. And then you have Keandre Miller coming in. And then maybe you have another defenseman from the AHL right now come in, or maybe you sign a guy as the seventh defender. Maybe Brendan Smith is your seventh defenseman next year. Um, and then I think they buy out Mark Saul, and I think they may, in my dreamland, they trade Brady Shea. I think that's well, the they, way to they go with still this got defense. Yegor Rikov and Niels Lundqvist, too. I mean, like, those are two guys that have been like really high regarded in terms of like their prospect status. So there's. There's more options internally that I'm sure they're going to go through before they go out and pick someone up off free agency. And I think it's so funny that you and I are just like, we're like, yeah, Keandre's going to come in and he's going to be <laughs> right there with either Truba or Fox just dominating the NHL. Yeah, listen, man, I am so excited for that kid. Um, and then, you know. May, I think that I don't think Neil Lundqvist is ever going to play a game as a Ranger. I think he gets traded before he starts his That's NHL the career for a center. Defenseman that you said it for first. You, the first one you said it for was Zach Jones, and now you said it for Neil Lundqvist. Yeah, Zach Jones or Zach Zach Jones, Zay Jones to be. Um, yeah, he's is Zay on, Jones uh, still in the NFL? No, he's in the Oakland still? now. But wait, Zach Jones soon to be oh, Connor God. McDavid member. Zach Jones is going to be in a trade for Connor McDavid someday. <laughs> That's right. Well, too bad. Uh, What's-his-face isn't there in uh, yeah, Edmonton anymore. Shirelli. 
So uh, too too bad he's not there anymore. Maybe that was a possibility. But yeah, I don't think Niels Lundqvist will be a Ranger. I think he's going to be traded probably in a year or two. I think you know he's still a couple years away from the NHL. Um, maybe he comes to camp next year. I don't know. But yeah, so <laughs> we kind of got away from talking about this year's team uh, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, uh, it's very exciting when you look at this defense. And the potential that's there for the future, it's so easy to get carried away. I mean, the Rangers have done a lot of good with this rebuild to this point, but I, you can't understate. I mean, the defense is the number one success uh, this team has had during the rebuild. Um, so there's that. Um, last thing on the games from the past couple of days. Uh, Alex yeah, Georgi he, he's a, a baller. Stud. He plays. That's for sure. That kid is a gamer. Another Benoit Lair superhero that he's created. Like it, you would think, Benoit Lair is Stan Lee with all these uh, superheroes that he's uh, creating in the crease. Um, Georgiev is going to be a stud in <laughs> okay. Seattle next year. <laughs> That's my shtick, and I'm not letting it go. Uh, Georgiev will be the game one starter for the Seattle <laughs> Supersonics hockey team uh, in the 2020 season. So there is that. He he is so good. Um, I'm very excited to see what happens. So with all of that said, I want to play a little over-under game with you, okay? So the first over-under that I'll give you is a Tony D'Angelo over-under. So over under multiple point games the rest of the way. So I think he has three so far this season. I'm going to set the over under oh, at over. three and a half. Easily. Okay. I don't think it will be by much. I'm going to go over as well. I think it's probably like four games, but even that's so much to ask. You know, I think I actually just talked myself no, out of I, that. I'm going to go under. That's a lot. I think that's that a lot to ask. He's had his hand in a lot of goals for for good reason recently. He's been so good. Now you listen. The defensive side of his game isn't perfect, but it's <laughs> he's the least of my worries defensively right now. I mean, now that Mark Stahl's out, maybe not the least, but uh, you know, you listen. He, he's he's great. He really is great. How about D'Angelo being named the uh, unanimous funniest player on the team by his teammates? I think he just had a really good stretch of success right around his birthday. Yeah, listen, man. I'm telling you, I I really think the kid's grown. I really do think he's grown and matured a little bit in the past year or two. And for all the crap David Quinn gets, and so far this year, deservingly so, I think that Tony D'Angelo has been one of his great successes uh, so far in his Rangers tenure. So, all right, I'm going under for D'Angelo. You're going over. So, the next one is a Philip Hedl one. Amount of games until Philip Hedl is a healthy scratch. I'm going to put the over okay. under at 11 and a half. You think he's going to be a healthy yeah, scratch before I the next 11 that- games? Uh, when I saw that you had that one written down, I the number in my head that popped up was six. Six. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's I mean, kind of a quick just, turnaround. I mean, if the Hedl that we got last night is the Hedl that we get on even 85% of the nights, like 
that he won't find himself out of the lineup at all this year. But I, you know, I, I do think, you know, my, my dad even pointed out that there, there was a few times last night where you were like, how long can he maintain this pace for, you know, and maybe, maybe that was what Hartford did for him was, you know, it, it gave him a level of responsibility and a level of conditioning that he will be able to maintain that for the season with us. But, uh, you know, Quinn's quick to be like, you know, to give a player the axe if they don't have that effort on every night. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I, I don't think he gets a healthy scratch for that would be great. If, if, 40 if some odd if games. If it's 40 games, he's playing the rest of the season. It could be. It could be. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with the deadline. Um, so that's a to-be-determined one. Number of games until Mark Stahl is back in the lineup. I'm setting the over-under at one and a half. Over. Because I, I think that after that game, Quinn might do the right thing and keep the lineup for one more game. What, what, what if it's two and a half? Under. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's two games. <laughs> yeah. I think it's two games as well. So <laughs> there's there's that. All right. And then the last one I have, there's 14 games in November. How many of them does Lundquist uh, start? Let's set the over-under at eight and a half. Um, that's so close. I mean, like, it, what was it, what was his bang banged up last night? What was he injured with a shoulder or something like that? So I mean, yeah, I he'll be fine by then, Saturday, but like just over again. Like the, the, that's a good line. Eight eight nine games is right there where he'll probably play if he's like quote unquote healthy. Yeah, I'm going to go right eight there. games, so I'll take the under. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about. So we talked about Kako and how he talked out. Let's talk about Kratzov for a minute. So obviously he was loaned to uh, Tractor in the KHL. He's going to be over there for a little bit. Uh, he signed a one-year contract with them, and uh, his plan apparently is to come back after the KHL season ends. So his team won today four to one. He didn't get a point in the game, but you know, he played on the first line. So a couple of things that came up in the article, the Russian article that he was quoted in. So he, he seemed upset um, with the Rangers um, for a few different reasons. Um, so apparently the Rangers accused him of not working hard enough because of an exercise that he did on like the exercise bike where he didn't hit 180 beats per I, minute. That so can't I be all I had it, right? read the article that you're talking about and I saw the quote about the 180 beats per minute and I was like – excuse me when i was reading it i was like that's a really like exact number for you for him to be saying in this interview but if but i didn't see anything about the bike so well that, that's what it, okay. that's what it was on so like he, he was doing like he was doing the bike and like he you have to get up to like 180 beats per minute like they they do that at the draft combine and shit like that so it's like a conditioning drill um, so they, you know, that was one thing, I guess they told him the other thing he said, you know, hinted at being pissed off about Brendan Smith on the third line, which did you yeah, see I the understand quote? that. 
Um, but also, uh, I don't yeah, have it written down exactly, like the, but I the did interviewer see it. were asked, do you think that Brendan Smith is a better option than you? And he and Kraftsov replied with, that's not my choice to decide or something like that. It was like, it was very indirect, but it, I mean, like you could tell that there, I mean, like I didn't hear it, but you could tell that there might've been a tone implied with it. Yeah. So my overall thought on this is, listen, I don't think the Rangers played it the best necessarily. I don't think he played it the best, but honestly, it doesn't bother me that he's going back to Russia. I mean, he's making a whole lot more money there than he would in the AHL. And the team doesn't feel that he's ready right now. So, you know what? Fine. Let him go over there. Let him do that. Um, and then we'll see him in March if the team's out of the playoff race. And if you, they're not, then we'll see him in the AHL for the playoffs um, after the KHL season's over. Because the Wolfpack right now are undefeated in regulation. They're gross. Nine man. or ten games, which is ridiculous. Igor Shesterkin has been unbelievable down there you thought maybe being on that stacked khl team that's what inflated his numbers but he's putting up similar numbers in the ahl which is unbelievable especially and we've talked about that a lot before ahl playing goalie in the ahl is oftentimes harder than playing goalie in the nhl based on the the level of the defensemen around you um not them not being in position all the time so you know he's been Fantastic. How do you feel about the whole Kratzoff situation? And do you think it ultimately ends up with him being yeah, back for I mean, the Rangers later I, this I season? I agree that I don't think they handled it the best that they could. And I obviously there's like a level of like uncertainty. And I think that that like revolves around the fact that like all of the information we've really gotten has been through like Russian outlets. So you haven't had like perfect uh, – translations for how he feels about himself but the the one consistent thing that i've seen is that we can call him back at any time and he has consistently said when yep. they call me back i want to come back so you know there was a disappointment that he didn't start the year with the rangers but you would have to think that now there might be even more like invested in it because when you call him back he should be with the team for good yeah agreed so we'll see what happens with him and it's kind of going to be based on what the rangers are able to do at the deadline what position they are um in the standings around march um and all that kind of stuff so i mean that's all i got for today Garrett. do you have anything else All right, well, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, whether you like us or not. Leave us a review. Uh, it could be a question. It could be a comment. We'll read it on the podcast. And once we get 100 of those, Garrett's going to have to record a podcast, reading all of those by himself. Um, so for Garrett Gartino, uh, I am John Williams. Go Nats. Go Nationals tonight in Game 7. Peace. And uh, we will talk to you next week.